Over the past decade, partisan struggles have meant that Democrats have been unable to improve or build on the Affordable Care Act, and Republicans have been unable to repeal it. The outcome of the upcoming elections will, in part, determine whether the status quo persists or whether either party will be able to realize its bolder ambitions. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jonathan Overlander, a professor of social medicine and health policy and management at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Professor Overlander has co-authored a perspective article about health reform and the 2020 elections. Professor Overlander, you write that if Republicans win both the presidency and majorities in the House and Senate, they could launch another effort to repeal the ACA, but they'll have to overcome various challenges even with that advantage. Has the party made any progress toward determining what a replacement plan would look like? The short answer would be no. The longer answer is it is difficult, if not impossible, to do repeal and replace through Congress if you cannot agree on the replace. And part of the reason that Republican repeal efforts fell short in 2017 when they had majorities in the House and the Senate is they could not agree on a replace plan that could attract a majority of the Senate Since then, Republicans really haven't made much headway in identifying what that plan would be, what their goals are, and what it would look like. And so I think that remains a major barrier. If, on the other hand, the Democrats gain control of the federal government, a Biden administration would have to decide between making only incremental changes to the ACA and taking bolder steps, such as enacting a public insurance option, lowering the age of eligibility for Medicare. What do you think is the outlook for those kinds of broader reforms? I actually think it's highly uncertain. We should acknowledge we live in extraordinarily turbulent times politically, economically, and socially. As we're talking, we, of course, don't know what the results are going to be of the upcoming elections. And we should remember that the Senate is a supermajority institution, and it's very difficult to govern and to achieve big things with a narrow majority in the Senate. You either have to do it through budget reconciliation, which is a legislative maneuver that allows you to pass some, though not all things, with a simple majority, or you have to get rid of the filibuster, which is it's possible that that will happen in 2021. But if you think about this historically, the last two Democratic presidents, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, both tried ambitious health reform plans in the first two years of their presidency. Bill Clinton, of course, failed spectacularly. Barack Obama passed his, which became the Affordable Care Act. But the thing that they have in common is in each case in the next midterm congressional election, their party lost the majority. The Democrats lost the majority and lost a lot of seats in the House of Representatives. So if Joe Biden decides to try ambitious health reform, it is a political risk. And the question is, with everything else that would be on his plate as president, the pandemic, the economy, and so forth, does he want to roll the dice on another controversial healthcare effort? So we're recording this conversation in the wake of Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court. If she's confirmed, what do you think that would mean for California v. Texas and for the future of the ACA? The Affordable Care Act has been one legal battle after another, and every time we think we're done with legal challenges to the Affordable Care Act, here comes another one. And of course, the Supreme Court is set to hear this Texas versus California case on November 10th. And it is a challenge that in theory could result in the entire law being struck down. The Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act originally in 2012, just by a five to four 
majority. And of course, Justice Ginsburg was part of that majority. The composition of the court following her death is going to change. It's going to be a more conservative court if Judge Coney Barrett is confirmed. And we don't know how the court will rule. Many liberal and conservative legal experts believe that the legal merits of this challenge are just not there. This really doesn't have much legal merit, but the courts have become another institution for another venue for partisan conflict. And so when we focus on the law of this, we might be focusing on the wrong thing. This is in a lot of ways about ideological and partisan clashes. And so I would say that at the moment, legally, Obamacare is hanging on by a thread with a very cloudy forecast. Do you think the timing of the court's decision in California v. Texas is going to affect the likelihood that this major health care reform under either a Trump or a Biden administration? I do think the decision could have major effects. We probably won't hear a decision until spring 2021. And then, of course, it depends what the decision is. If the Supreme Court turns down this challenge and upholds the law in its entirety, then it probably doesn't make much waves. But if the Supreme Court throws the entire law out or major parts of the law in the midst of a pandemic, it really would be an extraordinary intervention and almost unthinkable given the consequences for millions of Americans losing access to health insurance. If Joe Biden was elected president and if the Democrats have majorities in the House and Senate, there are things they can do legislatively to try and prevent that decision to try and act before it so the decision won't have that force and the case would be irrelevant. There are things perhaps they could do afterwards, but I think if the court actually does that, it will have a remarkably unpredictable effect on American politics. It will destabilize the healthcare system. It will open back up the healthcare debate, and it will delegitimize, in a sense, the model of healthcare reform that the Affordable Care Act represented. You spoke earlier about the possibility of eliminating the filibuster in the Senate. And since the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's also been talk of increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court. What are the potential benefits and drawbacks of those kinds of political moves? In a sense, we are back to the 1930s, to the era of Franklin Roosevelt. And before the New Deal, the court had been a conservative court and had been quite conservative in its stance on regulation and what the role of the government could be and what it should be in intervening in the economy. And really, for the 80 years or so since then, we've lived with a post-New Deal court order that has permitted the federal government to intervene in the economy and to have social regulation in all aspects of life, including protecting civil rights. All of that is in jeopardy right now. And the court itself as an institution, I think, is in jeopardy because if you get a court that is badly out of step with popular sentiment and badly out of step with political leaders for a sustained period of time, it's going to lead to a lot of conflict. And so I think the problem is Democrats talk about expanding the court, and let's say they expand it by two justices, then what happens when Republicans come back into power? Do they expand it as well? So where does it end? I think we're at a point in American politics where the norms that have upheld our democratic system are eroded, badly eroded. And that means that everything is on the table. And that includes a lot of volatility about the Supreme Court starting in 2021, but not ending. You also talk about the political and economic instability caused by COVID-19. And of course, the virus has now killed more than 200,000 Americans. Has all of that, has the pandemic affected the public's desire 
or lawmakers' appetite for substantial health policy changes? Well, the Trump administration has not been open to much in the way of changes. There are fairly incremental things that the Trump administration could do, building off the Affordable Care Act to make it easier for the millions of Americans who have lost their jobs and many of whom have lost their health insurance to get coverage. And the administration just has been unwilling to do it. In terms of public opinion, you would expect that in a time of economic crisis, in a time of public health crisis, there might be a larger appetite for action in health policy. What the opinion polls show is that actually the importance of health care as an electoral issue has fallen dramatically since February. And at that time, it was the number one issue for American voters, and it's not anymore. It's the economy and the pandemic. If we get to 2021 and we're having a debate about health care reform, I think it's possible that given everything that's going on, there'll be a larger public appetite for the government to act and do so in a way that enhances health security. But health care is going to have to compete with those other agenda items. Finally, what about President Trump's own COVID-19 diagnosis? How do you see that affecting the elections and health policy discussions? Well, I'm a political scientist, but I think my crystal ball is back in the shop. It's really hard for me to figure out how it's going to affect the elections. It seems like we're living in a time period where, as others have said, time is simultaneously fast and slow. So every day in the election feels like a month. It feels like things that happened just a week ago were years ago. One effect it absolutely is going to have, at least this week and next week, and that is it's going to focus discussion on COVID. and the extent that the discussion has been focused on COVID in the campaign, it's not been good for the president. And obviously, we're at a point where over 200,000 Americans have already died. Many American families have been affected by COVID. It's had a disastrous effect on public health in the United States. And the leadership from Washington has not been there. The American response to the pandemic has been just bad. And even if you do everything right, this is a difficult virus to control. We have not done everything right, and the administration, of course, bears a lot of responsibility for that. So the extent that the campaign conversation in its final weeks is going to be about COVID, that is going to be a challenge for the president. Thank you, Professor Oberlander.